what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, you need a favor, and we've got some hints on how you should ask for it. Spoiler alert, please can help. Are you thinking about buying a business? Are you thinking about selling a business? Then this is the episode for you. We'll be joined by Sarah Carty with County South Business Brokers, who specializes in helping people buy and sell businesses. Finally, we'll wind up with our Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll highlight businesses that we've come across and that you should be checking out. Greetings. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host and director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is dean of the School of Business, Industry, and Technology at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, how's it going today? Jeff, I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to spring. It's getting closer, although we've gotten blown away the last few days with the wind, but maybe that's a good thing. Well, we're, we're sitting here in late February in western North Carolina, so you never know what you're going to get in March. We I could know. get spring. We could get more winter. Who we'll knows probably get both. Get. You know, we, you know and, and we're going to get basketball. We're basketball. college basketball fans. Yes, we are. And my team actually won a game in the last month and a half. Yeah, and you're a Wake Forest yes. graduate and fan. And, and, and I bleed a lot of black and gold these days. It's been a tough year. It has. But, now Carolina, you being the Carolina grad, you have to be very proud of your uh, baby blue team. I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about the Carolina Tar Heels this year. You know, we, we, but, you know, I'm, I'm we lost to Duke, yeah. you know, and Duke is our arch rival. That even that hurt me. It hurt you. Well, yes. you know, I, as as you know, the president of our yes. college is a big Duke fan, and you know he and I sort of have an ongoing bet where the loser has to wear the other guy's shirt the next day. I am really glad you mentioned that because I had a brief meeting with him yesterday, and he has a wall of fame hmm? with your picture wearing the jerseys. That's great. That's just and wonderful. And he had two of them uh, next to each other. That's honest-to-goodness truth, Jeff. You well, can, you've made it to the president's office uh, in yeah, a good way. It's not like going to the principal's office. I'm not sure that's a good thing or not. But yeah, there will be a rematch between the Tar Heels right. and the Blue Devils in a few weeks, and I'm hopeful that our president will be wearing a Carolina blue shirt after that. But I want you to make sure your best players, of which you have many, are a long way from, is it Grayson? The guy that trips people from Duke. Now, 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 you know, you, 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 we don't want to say mean things about people in our podcast, Gary. We oh, don't no, no. He's a, he's a great <laughs> basketball player, and he falls down a lot uh, Well, around players. Anyway, <laughs> let's, we're going to move along. And, uh, uh, you know, we always talk about uh, a little article that we might find uh, uh, here and there. And I was reading... I uh, saw something in a magazine, and, and that sort of took me to some websites and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and I saw an article by a fellow named Ross McCammon, who is senior editor at Esquire magazine. And he's uh, this fall, he published a book called Working Well with Others, An Outsider's Guide to Shaking Hands, Shutting Up, Handling Jerks, and Other Crucial Skills in Business that No One Ever Teaches You. And it contains such important chapters as how to shut up, how to make small talk, how to pitch something, 
how to give a speech when you've taken one too many Xanax. You know, things like uh, that that we rarely, you know, no one tells you how to is, do this stuff. Is there a reason you're bringing this up today for me? But anyway, no, no, you know, you, you, you know, your Xanax is right on track. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, good deal. So, uh, anyway, he also wrote an article called How to Ask for a Favor and gave some important hints that I thought we would share with our, our listeners in that if you're in business, at some point in time, if you're smart, you're going to ask somebody for a favor. It's you know, how you get stuff done, and there's some ways that maybe you can do it more effectively. So he gave sort of three hints or suggestions for how to ask for favors. So here they are. Number one, people hate indirectness. They don't want you to hem and haw about it. If you're going to ask a favor, you just need to come out and say it. So you should say, I'd like to ask for a favor. Here's what I'm hoping that you will do. And that helps facilitate the process. Good common sense advice. Yeah. Do you agree? I, yeah, I agree. You know, I think I think you should be polite. I'm a, yes. I'm a proponent of using please and thank you. Yes. So, you and know, I, think I think you need to ease into it. But yeah. I mean, not be. I mean, you don't do too much easing. It's no, not right. You yeah, don't want to be too indirect and ham and haw like you said. Right. But I mean, I think you. So. Other than if you were me, then you just. All right. Uh, ask for a favor. Okay. And I ask for a favor. Yeah, well, I work for you, so you, no. can, you can command favors. We work together. Okay. <laughs> Number two, uh, you want to provide an escape which so, shows respect. So you want to give people an out you know, and say something to the effect of, if you don't have the time or if you're not interested, I understand. And that, you know, you're, you're asking for a pay. You know, this is sort of understood, but going ahead and saying it just sort of connotes some res yeah. respect there. And understanding, and that's exactly. important. So, third thing, people don't need a reward. So, you know, asking for a favor doesn't need to be a quid pro quo type thing. So, being asked to do something can be flattering, and it shows that someone respects you. Yeah, it has value. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, don't don't feel that you have to throw a reward out there. But I will say that you know, if you ask me to help you move furniture, beer better be beer, involved. Beer. Candy. No. Preferably beer. beer. Preferably beer. So maybe candy. Maybe candy. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, I was I was looking at uh, this fellow's book, and his name again is Ross McCammon, M C C A M M O N. <clears throat> He's an editor at Esquire magazine. Uh, works well with others is the name of his book, and I it looked it looked interesting, helpful, amusing. So I think I'll be checking that book out. Maybe I think it sounds good, and there are hints, but. Sometimes people say, well, they're pretty straightforward. But, again, if you're building a business or you're in business, you're going to need to ask people for favors, and you're going to be asked for favors. So yeah. handling it the right way is uh, very important. Well, let's, let's uh, welcome our guest. That to sounds our great. Entrepreneur Exchange. Uh, our guest today is Sarah Carty. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm great. Fantastic. Excited to be here. Well, we're glad you're here. Sarah is a business broker with uh, County South Business Brokers. Uh, she's been doing this for 18 years, but she still looks very youthful. I would not so, have believed that. There you go. She started um, at 10. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, before, and, and, and glad that you're here. Was it, did, was it Donald Trump that inspired you to this career? <laughs> Absolutely. Careful, uh, careful, careful. <laughs> we are in the uh, primary time of the year. I know. It's very exciting. Uh, Tell. Let's start out just a little bit by in terms of when, when people say business brokers. To, can you just tell people a little bit? You know what what does a business broker do? People probably know what a real estate broker does, but what does a business broker do? A business broker basically 
acts in the same type of position as a real estate broker would in a residential transaction. Um, where they're putting together a buyer and seller on the sale of a home, um, we are putting together a buyer and seller on the sale of a business. Um, completely different industry, um, so we do things very differently. We advertise differently. Um, uh, there are a lot of processes that are completely different, but um, in the essence of the grand scheme of things, we're basically doing the same thing. We're working as basically an intermediary. Um, there's a lot of planning and um, things that buyers and sellers need to think about and be prepared for from the onset. Um, but so you're doing basically, a lot of analysis work on the business, yes. but then you're probably doing a lot of counseling on helping the business owner uh, get ready to sell their business, even though a lot exactly. of, they get ready to do it, but they're not necessarily always ready to do it from a psychological standpoint. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of emotion involved. Well, and, and you know, when we work with folks that are getting into business, you know, Traditionally, there, there are not that many ways you get into business. You can start your own business. You can uh, maybe buy into a franchise that's already established, or you can buy a business. So, you know, there are you know, sort of a finite number of ways to get into business. So this is you know, knowing how to do it properly can be very useful. So when, when you work with a person that's interested in buying a business, uh, you know, what sort of things should they be considering? What should they be looking at as they're starting this process of figuring out, you know, they want to buy something? Excellent question. Um, there are some statistics within our industry um, that I'm going to speak about today um, that come through the Resource Center through bizbysale.com, which is one of the largest online marketplaces for businesses for sale, for sale by owners, business brokers advertise there. And early on in my career, I had read that 90% of buyers that begin the search for a business never purchase a business in their lifetime. Um, it's a pretty staggering hmm. percentage. So why is that? Um, and I could expand on several of these reasons why, but initially the biggest reason is that they go into it unprepared. Um, they become overwhelmed when you go online and you look for a business for mm -hmm. sale. The web is just inundated with businesses for sale. Um, so they need to be prepared um, to know what they're looking for, um, depending on what kind of money they're looking to invest, what kind of cash flow that they're looking for. Um, they need to definitely do some preparation work and surround themselves with a team um, to gain some expert advice, um, which is a, the second reason, which is lack of expert advice is a big reason for that That large percentage um, and determining what business is right for them. I was going to say, do most of your people know exactly what they want to go into or even a range um, of in, an industry? Do people come to you and say, I want to buy a business yeah, or they say, I want to buy a specific type of business? Right. Exactly. And that that's a very good point because that's what they need to do is they need to narrow down what type of business that they're looking for. It's so overwhelming when they look at it from a very mm -hmm. general, broad spectrum um, that they end up quit looking, that they just decide that it's just too overwhelming. Um, so they do need to think about what type of lifestyle that they're looking for, how involved do they want to be. Um, they need to consider all these factors and narrow that down um, to determine what types of business, at least maybe down to a few different types of businesses that they want to focus on. Do you see them looking for a price range and it being unrealistic in a lot of cases where they say, hey, 
either on buy or the sell, but somebody's going to buy a business and say, okay, I'm going to put $100,000 in with businesses that they might want to buy are much more expensive. Absolutely. Excellent, excellent point. Um, uh, typical something I hear quite often is I'm looking for something that's going to generate me, for example, a $200,000 cash flow, mm-hmm. and I've got $50,000 to invest. <laughs> It's not going to happen. Not realistic, right. So that is another thing that you could gain. From I want one of those when you get that, <laughs> exactly. by the way. Yeah, Please sign me up for it. one or two even. Exactly. We can exactly. pull our money and split that 200 There you go. Yes. That's exactly right. Yes. So looking at it from a realistic standpoint, um, consulting with an attorney, their CPA, a business broker that is experienced and savvy that will shoot mm-hmm. straight with them um, is definitely critical in getting them on the right track of what to look for. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of uh, trying to figure out what a proper value for a business is, you know, to me that must be the real challenge. And, you know, it's you know, whether we're buying a home or a car or a business, you know, if I'm the buyer, I think it's got a certain value and the seller probably would like to think it has a higher value. And we hope that we meet somewhere in the middle. You know, are there certain ways that you go about assisting people in figuring out what a fair value of a business would be? That is probably what I spend at least 50% of my time doing Mm -hmm. is evaluating businesses. Um, It generally is a process that takes months, sometimes years, to prepare them for that. Um, And it's never too soon to um, to do that. Um, There are, it's not exactly a science, although there are some scientific basis that you can begin with. Um, but it is more of an art of evaluating a business to determine value. Um, and I could expand on this for probably an hour, um, but it does end up coming down to cash flow. You know, the more cash flow, the more value that you have. Um, there are some scientific basises, depending upon the specific type of industry that you're in. Um, if you're in a convenience store, gas station business, there's certain um, basis that I would begin with as far as cash flow, gross profits, that sort of thing, where it's completely different in the hotel industry, which is completely different from buying a dry cleaners or a coin laundromat. Um, so there are some industry-specific basis that we would begin with, but then there's a number of things that would affect that as well. Um, the track record of the business, um, the type of industry that it is, um, how volatile is that industry? Um, are there any, you know, governmental regulations that could affect that industry? Again, the track record, what kind of books and records do they have, which is a lot of what I do coaching with with sellers, is getting things in order so that when they do come up on the market and they have a buyer in place, that they're prepared to work through the processes. It's kind of like to reach you said, selling a house. Absolutely. You want your house to look the best that it is when you go ready to market. Yes. Same thing with your business, I would assume. Yes, that is exactly right. Um, I met with a seller recently that he said, I've, I've had my business listed with two different brokers, and a couple times we've had buyers, and it's just not reached a closing. And I said, we need to figure out why that is. And um, so we went back and spent hours upon hours looking at it, and it was just not in a condition to where a buyer, even if you – you know, he received a qualified buyer and they agreed to a price. His records were not in order to be able to obtain financing. So I was just able to educate him on the whys so that we're on the same page. And it's probably going to take him a year or two of preparation to get his business in order to go on the market. So you're providing, that's great service. Hmm. Yes. But that's a, there's a lot of 
as I hear you talking, a lot of investment time for you yes. to, to make these deals. Yes. I would say the further I have gotten my career, the more time that I spend with a seller up front. I no longer take a listing agreement to the listing appointment and say, okay, let's put this baby on the market. You know, I really spend a lot of time in preparing them and making sure it's a good fit. And um, it's critical that we're on the same page because we're really partners walking through that together. And um, that's part of uh, the part of this business that I love is that I'm kindly holding their hand, removing anxieties, providing information so that when they do get a buyer and we've got a transaction in the process, that they're prepared. So now, now you mentioned cash flow being a big piece of how you're trying to determine the value of a business and the type of industry. You know, does does um, looking at uh, the balance sheet and saying, hey, you're your equity is this or, or your assets are that, does that play into your calculations or, or how, how does that fit into the grand scheme of things? Or does it? does. That's an excellent question. Um, as far as assets, you generally are looking at selling, if it's something that is a lease type situation, you've got your goodwill value, which includes your assets and um, if it's a situation where the cash flow does not make sense, then you are looking at just a straight asset sale and what are those assets worth. That's where you would go back to the hard and fast, you know, what kind of equipment do you have? What's the resale value of that? Um, but when you're looking at a goodwill value, that does include whatever equipment and assets um, are necessary to operate the business to create that cash flow, whether you've got $1,000 worth of assets or whether you've got $100,000 worth of assets. The numbers have to make sense. And if it doesn't, then you do go back to just looking at a straight asset sale. Sort of like, a, I guess it, it, if you're including that goodwill value, it's, it's more of an ongoing type concern. If it's, if you're, yeah. you know, if you're selling assets, might be an ongoing concern, or you might just be trying to maximize the value of what you got. Exactly. So are, are there ever any intangible factors that a buyer should take into account when he's considering a purchase because I would think that that you know particularly if there's uh, if he or she has particular industry experience or whatnot uh, perhaps that business might be more valuable to a specific buyer than to another you know are there intangibles that come into play you said emotions can come into play what oh, yeah. uh, what sort of intangibles happen out there yeah that that's a good point um, and again, that would go back to getting some expert advice, consulting, counseling with some folks um, to find out what is a right fit. I would definitely take into consideration experience, background, um, and I can't stress enough probably the importance of what they want their lifestyle to look like. Um, how involved do they want to be? How time invasive is the business? Mm. Um, it's not a CD. Exactly. You don't put your money in and hope you get your interest, or you get your interest out and you have to worry about it. Yes, exactly. So if um, an owner is wanting to work, you know, if they're thinking they want to be involved in a business four hours a day, they probably don't want to buy a business that is relying upon employees and open 16, 18 hours a day. Right. Um, so really just considering um, what type of hours they want to be involved. Um, what their background is, their strengths, their weaknesses. Um, so those would be some things I would definitely take into consideration. 
Hi, I'm Alan. I'm Chris. And we're the co-host of Foot Candle Films, a movie review and film discussion show here on TheMesh.TV. Each episode, we talk about some new movies, cover some film news, and have some recommendations. And trust us, we're just as likely to talk about the latest Jim Jarmusch film as we are the newest Transformers installment. Hold on, don't get too crazy. Uh, well, okay, maybe not that bad. But you can find our show and all our episodes on TheMesh.TV. Plus, you can subscribe to get new episodes delivered right to your computer or mobile device. We'll see you in the ticket line. When you have, when, when, when somebody's, you, you successfully complete a, a transaction and you've got a buyer who's now transitioning into the role of business owner, you know, is there usually some sort of um, uh, period where the seller is going to be working with that owner or does it sort of depend on the business and the people or you know, what, <clears throat> is there any advice that you can give to folks as they as they do that transitioning from from the buyer position to the owner position <clears throat> or, or, do you, or do you like to wash your hands of it and say hey well, let me get paid and get out of here <laughs> right well they they need to be the transition period is an excellent excellent point because that is critical um, with most business transfers. Um, we do generally negotiate in some type of training period um, that's at no cost to the buyer for the seller to be hands-on and, and work with them and, and teach them the business. So uh, I guess the best advice I could give is to be open to learn. Um, really uh, just be like a blank piece of paper, be open to receive uh, guidance from the seller. And once you gain that with the condition that the business has, has been in, um, wait to make any major changes. Um, you know, I generally, depending upon the business, um, would advise people to maintain the staff, continue on with the staff, keep things um, as much like they are as possible, and if you're going to make any changes, wait until you've been in there. And um, with a lot of businesses, uh, retail specifically, um, and service, I would say um, be present, meet the customers, get to know your vendors. Um, Learn the processes. If the processes and systems are not in place, um, look for some experts, the seller to help get some guidance on putting those in place. Um, but ultimately, just being open to, to learn. Yeah. So continuity is important. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. Two things came up when, and I'm going to use the word due diligence, but mm-hmm. the basically analyzing the business. How long does that usually take, in, or is there a normal amount? And how receptive are the sellers to this investigation of their business. I always saw that was a problem sometimes. Exactly. Not wanting to give up their secrets before they have sold the business. Very true. And that's part of what I do ahead of time with sellers is prepare them for what that period of time is going to look like. Um, Depending upon the business, that period of time for a buyer um, when they go in to do their due diligence is normally anywhere from 7 to 21 days, depending on what type of business it is. And that time frame normally depends on how prepared the seller is with information that they need. Um, Different buyers want to do due diligence in different ways. Um, So I try to prep the sellers on what that may look like, different types of buyers and what they're looking for. Um, But yes, that is a critical period of time because it's challenging enough to get a buyer and a seller to agree on a price and term. So when you get into that due diligence period, it's critical that the seller's prepared um, to know what they need to have available um, for a buyer to review and verify. Do most of your agreements, or maybe all of them, have a non-compete? Yes. Yep. Every one of them. Um, so that is normally dependent upon uh, the type of business. Uh, retail is normally maybe 
three to five miles, uh, depending on what type of business it is. Um, and normally for three to five years, I would say, is about the average that I see. So, yes, all of our agreements would include a non-compete. Yeah, 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 you mentioned looking at this a bit from the seller's perspective. Um, uh, you know, if you're sitting down with someone who's interested in selling their, their business, are there certain things that that you tell them they need to to get cleaned up, or I mean, are, are you looking to make sure that financials are in order? That uh, you know, are there, you know what, what what sort of things do you look at to say, hey, if you want to maximize the value of your business, here's some things that you need to be doing uh, to prepare for the selling and the transaction. Exactly, all of the above. And all the above. Uh, yep, yep. Um, awareness again. Um, one thing that uh, within our industry. When a business is priced right and put onto the market, it's important for sellers to know that the average sale time is six to 12 months. Um, and that's if it's priced right. Um, so that's something for them to be aware of. So again, it's being proactive, um, planning their exit strategy, uh, which in my opinion would initially start with um, speaking with an experienced business broker, having them do an evaluation um, so that they can have an awareness of the value that they're looking for. Um, and a lot of times, actually, there's something I was reading recently, um, and you mentioned earlier that sellers sometimes, you know, they may have a large number in mind that's just unrealistic. And um, there was a term that I heard called the endowment effect, and that's exactly what it is. It's the fact that um, we as human beings value something that is ours merely because it's ours, not because that's the value, whether we're talking about a pair of shoes, a car, a business, whatever that may be. Um, so coaching them along to learn what the value is. And if somebody's in a situation where they say, okay, I really need the number to be here, maybe they've got debt, or, or maybe it's just a number that they want to receive, um, is it realistic? Is the business kindly maxed out the way that it is and the value is what it is? Or can we work strategy to prepare you for a sale in two to three years? So definitely something that we would um, look at and help them kind of strategize that plan. Um, and alongside of that, outside of getting expert advice from a business broker, somebody that is dealing with buyers and in the marketplace on a daily basis is um, consulting with their CPA. What are the tax consequences of a sale? You know, to be prepared for that, because that is definitely um, something to consider. And another point, um, going back to some of the resources through Biz by Sale, another statistic is that, and this is industry-wide, is that 80% of businesses that go on the market don't sell. And sellers need to be aware, too, of why that is. And again, it goes back to um, the fact that sometimes they just do not provide enough information for a buyer to make a good educated decision. Um, it may be misrepresentation of information. I could go on and on about that statistic <laughs> within itself, but it's something, again, for them just to be aware of and, and understand why that is so that when they go to put something on the market, they've been working with a business broker, the value is in place, and that a package of information is available put together in the appropriate way so that a buyer can make an educated decision because if it's not, they'll just move on. There are thousands upon thousands of businesses. Well, it's kind of like the house. If, if, if everything's in order, you, it brings more value. And, yes. and if things aren't in order, you say, well, what else, 
what's not there that I'm going to find out after I buy the business. So it exactly. scares you away. Very true. Good point. Hey, Sarah, these days, do when a tra- transaction gets completed, how often or, or is it is it typical or, or unusual for a seller to help finance the business? And that if, if somebody says, "My I want $100,000 for my business. Well, maybe I can't give you 100000 today. I'll give you 50000 a day and pay you... Twenty thousand a year for three years or something like that. Is that does that happen a lot or a little or what is is that an option for for sellers and buyers to consider? Yes, definitely something to consider. I would say probably ninety percent of the transactions that we do, there is some level of seller financing. Okay. When it's a business only transaction, um, majority of the time the buyer is paying a substantial amount down. So maybe you know seventy five percent down, and maybe the seller carrying a note for a period of time. That's very typical in those situations. Um, if it's a business that includes uh, the real estate with it, there's still generally some level of seller financing in there. Um, maybe if it's just even the inventory, but on some businesses, inventory can be a hundred thousand right. dollars. That's going to be pretty significant, and um, banks are not interested in lending on inventory. So um, definitely, I'd say 90% of the time, there's some level of seller financing, and that is um, something that uh, I, I talk with sellers about um, because a lot of them, of course, they just think, I want this price, and this is what I need you know, to walk away. Um, so it is something to consider. And some of that, too, goes back to um, how well they've kept their books. Kind of stepping back to prepare a seller mm-hmm. is, um, you know, how have they kept their records? Can somebody get a loan based upon your documentation? Because that's what a lender is going to look at. One last question. Um, from, a, from a business broker perspective, I, you know, I guess one of the reasons that someone would enlist your help is to help get the word out that I'm trying to sell my business. So how does a, how does a business broker advertise or, or promote a business or you know maybe if i'm looking to buy a business i look for a business broker and you to one so what's 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 uh you know how do you how do you get the word out that i'm trying to sell my business if i'm selling it okay good question um and this too kind of goes back to one of your first questions of the differences of you know a real estate broker that sells a home or a commercial real estate company and, and business brokerage we advertise completely different um, where a lot of those companies may be targeting the local market and they're member, members of like a multiple listing service. Um, business brokers are trying to reach a broader span. So I would say 90% of our clients um, and buyers come from resources online. There are a lot of business broker websites, business for sale websites, and that's where the bulk of them come from. Um, there's also some publications, depending on the industry that uh, the business is in um, that you would want to advertise it for sale. So we're really looking to advertise mostly on the web. Um, And interestingly enough, I would still say that probably 30% of our buyers um, are moving from out of state. We get a lot from the West Coast, up north, um, Florida. So you want to be able to reach out to areas outside of your local market because in most cases, um, your buyer is not within your market. Is there a rating system for brokers or anything for people to evaluate? Well, who's or a, why I'm whispering. Who's, who's a, <laughs> <laughs> Speak up, will you, Gary? That's right. Sorry about that. I guess it was a tough question. <laughs> 
I was asking for a favor, kind of. <laughs> what are, are, are there certain brokers considered better than others, or I, yes. that, is that, well, or that, how do you differentiate yourself so they want to come? Have you been in prison recently, Sarah? I know exactly. Please don't check my records. <laughs> I'm just playing. Um, I would say research the broker. Google them. You know, that's what everybody does for anything. Yeah, well, that's say. absolutely. What do we do without Google? And I know. I have no idea. Um, look for, uh, know their background. Ask them their credentials. Um, know their experience level. And talk with um, buyers and sellers that they've worked with. Look for testimonials. Read their, you know, profiles. Do some research on the broker. And if, if I didn't know anything about um, the business brokerage field and I was looking to... Uh, buy or sell a business, I would probably speak with several business brokers um, and, you know, find out where they advertise, how they advertise. Um, that's something else I see from sellers sometimes. They'll contact us and say, gosh, I've had my business on the market for a year. And again, kind of going back to that client, I was saying, why is that? Um, you know, it could be that they're just not advertising it in the right place. So they're not, they're missing the market completely. Um, so that is definitely critical. Um, do research. Talk to, ask for references, um, know where they advertise, and, um, you know, you really want to bring together a team. Uh, you know, speaking with a business broker is critical, but you also want to be able to get legal advice, talk with your accountant. There's so many different variables, and a good business broker will bring those parties in. Um, if you don't have them already established, they'll get you in the right direction because, you know, we are a pool of resources. Um to be able to um, get advice from several different professionals. Well, it does take a village. It does. Okay. That it does. Now we're back to Paul. <laughs> uh, well, you've given us a really good foundation and, and folks interested in buying or selling a business. You've given them a lot of good information uh, as a starting point. Sarah, if people want to find you, how can they, you know, what's your email or website or how can they how can they find Sarah Carty? Sarah Carty. Um Call me on my cell phone. That is my business line. Uh, my cell phone number is 980-722-1048. Shoot me an email, sarah c, S-A-R-A-C, at countysouth.biz. And if I can help you, I'll be happy to. If not, I'll get you off into the right direction. Well, we very much appreciate you uh, being our guest today and, and sharing this information. And we're gonna we're gonna transition to uh, uh, our small business of the month. And we were talking to you before the show, Sarah. And, and actually, you just closed a transaction with a local small business that you wanted to give a shout out to. So, so Sarah, who is your small business of the month? All right, this is a fun small business of the month too. Um, I just recently sold a uh, business called Wine and Design, which is actually a franchise, um, and it's located in Viewmont. Um, and Kevin O'Brien is the proud new owner of this business, um, and it's basically um, a paint and sip studio. So you bring in your own wine. There is a highly skilled artist that uh, does a class, and you just follow along. No need to have um, art background. Um, I can, you know, generally normally just do a stick person. That's about it. But I've <laughs> painted some fantastic things through um, the wine and design type businesses. So um, it is in good hands. And if you'd like to check them out, uh, you can look at wineanddesign.com. Um, and they are located at 2440 North Center Street in Hickory in the Viewmont area. Um, you can give them a call at 828-322-6572. 
Um, it's a great opportunity just for some girls to get together. You can do team building. Um, they do private parties. They've got um, a segment called Art Buzz Kids. And they've got um, another segment called Design on Wheels, where they actually come and set up oh, that's cool. you know, at your business or um, at a festival or whatever that may be. So a lot of fun. Check them out. So now, now dudes are allowed to? Dudes it's, it's, are totally okay. allowed. Just, just checking. Dude owned. It could, it, could be, Dude it, could, owned. it could be a date night sort of thing. <laughs> I can see that happen. So, yeah, a little, little wine and design. So anyway, well, very, very good. cool. Thank yeah. you. Gary, who's your small business this month? Well, Jeff. I'm really excited to tell you about my small business idea. I mentioned it to you yesterday because it's really an update on a business that was created by our Skills USA entrepreneurship team. Always need to have a plug in for those folks, but I'm very proud of them. I believe they have a viable business that's going to be very successful in the future. And you've had a lot of opportunity to work with them, and you'll be working with them this spring as they get ready for their competition. Looking forward to it. And it was called Skill Builder last year, and it is now called Homework as they've worked with you and me and various other folks to uh, get their business uh, moving forward. Uh, They provide exceptional home repairs and computer and automotive uh, skills, uh, you know, fixing things, which I can't do. Uh, And they also do a little bit of learning along the way. And that's the way they're going to fix your problem, but they're going to also teach you if you want to do that. But they're moving in a very positive way. They're using it's very uh, cost effective. They fix the problems better than uh, their competition at a lower cost because they're using faculty and students from the community college. That's their model, and they're able to get excellent skills at a lower value or excuse me, lower cost. And that's been something that's a very positive thing for them. And they've been working on this for their high school students which is really encouraging to us. They're 16, 17 years old, and uh, their business is moving forward. And they've actually branched out with another group of young entrepreneurs that are calling their business uh, Depot on the Go, which is the home uh, equipment and service rentals, which kind of ties together the two companies. And so they've gone from three or four people to now eight or ten uh, with two new business ideas that uh, will share resources and work forward in the future. And we're very excited for them. And it's really cool to see young people that can take a business idea and spend as much time. You know, you've spent a lot of time with them. They work on this on an ongoing basis as well as having other jobs and uh, completing their education. They're high-energy fellows. Yes, they are. <laughs> so, Well, very good. Well, thank you for that one. And uh, my small business of the month, just uh, – you know, my my daughter attends the University of South Carolina. Uh, you know, I wish she was a tar. I wish she was a gamecock, and that's okay. And last year she sent us some pictures. She got to play a game that looked like a lot of fun uh, called bubble soccer, where players wear these inflated suits that look like balls and like they cover uh, their heads or up to their shoulders and down to their thighs or so, so they can still sort of run around, but they're well protected and they can bump into each other like bumper cars. So I was reading Entrepreneur Magazine recently, and I came across a company called uh, Bumping Bubbles, which was started by two college students in Michigan in 2014, Damon Grace and Luke Andrews. Uh, Mr. 
Grace goes to Michigan State. He's studying marketing, and Luke uh, Andrews attends Western Michigan, and he's also studying business. Uh, they raised four thousand dollars from a venture fund at Michigan State, and they bought ten suits, and they launched in December of 2014 as Bubble Soccer Detroit where they focused on their local market. They rented suits, nets, and equipment to local colleges, high schools, church groups, parents for kid events. They, in 2015, they realized that their name was limiting them to the Detroit area. So in the spring of 2015, they rebranded to Bumping Bubbles, and now they have over 40 partners across the United States and Canada. Last year, they rented, uh, they had over 250 rentals, and they had over $80,000 in sales. And in 2016, they're projecting sales to be around $200,000. So they're still a young company, kind of a college operation where they're driving to events, they're using their fraternity brothers as they need, but they're a great example of a startup, and they're my small business of the month. So you can check them out at www.bumpingbubbles.com. So you know, certainly if you're in the Michigan area, they can help you out, but they're, they've got uh, now partners across the country. So depending on where you're at, they might be able to help you out uh, locally as well. So Very interesting. Fun. Yes. Yeah. It looks like fun. So, yeah, yes. we could put on bubbles and smash into well, each other. Well, maybe we'll do that sometime. In Partic- the next. Particularly if Duke beats Carolina again. There I might need go. to work off some aggression. <laughs> so anyway, if you've got a suggestion for... For our uh, Entrepreneur Exchange Small Business of the Month, you can email them to us at eexchange at themesh.tv. And if we use your your suggestion, you'll get an Entrepreneur Exchange prize pack, which has many valuable gifts and goodies in it. And uh, so, so send those to us. We want to thank Sarah Carty and uh, County South Business Brokers for joining us today. Thank you, Sarah. Well, it has been my pleasure. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. We want to thank The Mesh. You can download uh, us at the themesh.tv or you can subscribe uh, on the iTunes store. So check out uh, the Entrepreneur Exchange. Check out other podcasts from The Mesh Network. And we'll look forward to catching up with you again next month. Sounds great. See you then. Take care. Or hear you then. been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.